founder of Allison's Brand School, and technically, I'm not a therapist, but I am really good at coaching humans on how to get clear about the work they're doing. By listening to others spill their guts, I know you'll relate, relieve some stress, and find the tools to freaking do what you feel called to do. Hello, my empire builders, my boss babes, my peoples, my peoples. Welcome as I just said in that catchy intro, to business therapy. This is episode 31, diversifying your offerings to serve your ultimate goal with Project Deviate. We recorded this episode a little bit ago, and honestly, I just haven't felt up to recording the intros. That's all I had to do. Everything else was done and taken care of by amazing team members. I just needed to wait a minute. It is April. We are still pretty much quarantined. It looks like we've flattened the curve in many, many areas of the country. There's still just so much unknown. And for me personally, I needed a minute to just adjust before I had advice and information. And so I think that's one of the reasons why I just have been sitting on this podcast for a minute. But I'm really not doing anybody any favors because Catherine and Sean from Project Deviate are the most delightful human beings. I love Love, love the work they're doing. It's super interesting and so important. So I'm also really excited to be highlighting that. So you're going to learn more about the amazing work that they do. This episode is going to be great because all of the questions and all of the things that we cover, it's really, really applicable right now when so many of us are in the position where we don't just need to diversify our offerings, we need to update or change our offerings so that we can accommodate this changing world. Maybe you're a service provider and you're having to be creative and not offer in-person services right now. This episode, I think, is going to help on a lot of levels. I'm excited for you to listen to it. Let's get to it. Project Deviate and just will you introduce that for us? Yes, go for it. Yeah, so we started Project Deviate because we care deeply about this idea of diversity, equity, inclusion. You know, these are our values of ours, but what they mean for us is this idea of, you know, how can we build spaces where people can show up in the world, can authentically belong, can yeah. bring all parts of themselves that don't feel like they have to hide parts of themselves as the price of belonging. We have experienced that to varying degrees in our own life. And we feel deeply that, you know, this work is meaningful. And we felt like we had some ideas some theories, some frameworks that we thought could really add something to the conversation. There's a lot of people already doing diversity, equity, and inclusion work, but we had both kind of simultaneously been coming across some of these ways of doing the work that felt really novel, really new, really interesting, and just really valuable, really useful to people in context where they're trying to struggle through these, these questions and issues. And we felt like that would be something of value that we could bring to this work. So I think it's our why we would be doing this regardless. And we have been doing it whether we get paid or not <laughs> yeah, for a yeah. long time. 
but I think that was kind of a tipping point for us. Yeah. So what do we do? We work with organizations of all types, nonprofit, healthcare, corporate, education, organizations of all types and sizes to help them and support them in thinking about what are their diversity and inclusion initiatives. And so that could be anything from leading a workshop. We do lots of workshops. Um, We also do kind of executive or executive team coaching, talking about one of the things we like to do a lot is working with the executive teams for like, what are your goals and what are your values? And actually, where are you getting in the way of this before we go out and do the larger organization? So you know, not just workshops, but audits and trainings. And we're doing some focus groups here in a couple of weeks. And we're also qualitative researchers by trade. So we're very nerdy. That's good. Yeah. I like they've both got, they've got cute matching glasses. <laughs> add, to the, add to the experience. It's, it's all about our, our nerd ambiance. I so. love it. I yeah. love it. So that's what we're up to. So tell me, are you guys doing this full time right now? Or are you both doing other things? What's the state of the corporation? Yeah, so we are not doing it full time in the sense of it. Like paying all the bills, supporting you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So we're putting a lot of time and effort into it weekly, but I would say right now we're both in a particular place with our degrees. So I am in my fourth year working on a PhD in organizational communication. And Sean's actually writing a thesis right now. He's graduating this semester with a master's degree. Hi, master. um, In organizational communication. So... That's actually one of our pain points is just this feeling of how much time can we dedicate to Project Deviate and also make sure that we're hitting these milestones in our education that will ultimately help us with Project Deviate. Absolutely. I feel like they're competing a little bit for our time right now. Yeah. And if if we're in a a context of limited time, Mm -hmm. what are the things we should be directing that towards? I love that. So how do you pay the bills? (laughs) Yeah. So we both have teaching fellowships so we're also teachers okay which again we're coming at you live from the university of colorado library right now so we are we're at the university of colorado and our teaching fellowships pay the bills awesome right now anything we've done up to this point with the consulting has paid to keep the consulting going Mm -hmm. great pocketbook yeah before we we get anywhere in the middle, right? It's like let's assess like where we are. Okay, I feel good. Like I feel like we have a a good grip of that, and we can dive into that. But let's assess what's the ultimate dream, supreme. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want, Sean? What do you want? We we spent some time doing this, some broader strategic thinking, and we've yeah. had the retreat too, where we had the chance to kind of look broader. I think for us, this would become a full time thing. Awesome. This would morph into multiple services and products. Um, This would morph into producing things like perhaps books, training materials, things that could be sold in addition to services provided. This would look like a place that is capable of convening. So there's a team of people. Maybe it it looks and feels like potentially a think tank in that there's some writing, some research, some consulting, that all of those things are kind of happening, but also informing and feeding each other. Other mm-hmm. and engaging yeah. those kind of varied interests we have. Mm-hmm. And do you do you ever again? You don't. We don't need to get into the weeds, but I just get excited. Do you think at all about like having deviate certified instructors and workshop leaders who you can send out? Like they have their certain kind of like the brand school, right? Like they're certified mm-hmm. in your material. Is it does that sound exciting? Like how much of a team do you think you would want to have? 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know about, I think um, possibly. I, for whatever reason, I don't know if I see it in that sense and more in sense of like partners. Mm. I, okay. I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought about the, the logistics of, you know, what yeah. growing and, and multiple staff would look like actually. But I think it involves more people. I know that. Yeah. I mean, this is part of what's really interesting, right? And I wish that Sean could have been at brand school or that I was better at bringing back the brand school message to him. Because we are two people, we have some different visions because I would really like to see us right now. We're working with multiple clients at a time. Right now we have about eight clients that are active. So I would say we have anywhere from like six to 10 on any given moment. I would like to move toward having like one major client that maybe we work with for a few months and that becomes our like we were joking the other day about it wasn't really a joke it was like our dream like yeah. what if we had you know one or two major clients the year and then we're able to travel and see family and do that kind of stuff like that would be my dream so when you have these six to ten clients primarily what type of contract is that what does that relationship look like it's usually revolves around a scope of work that outlines you know what we propose and then we oh. you know we kind of negotiate what that looks like and that outlines the project so I'd say it's pretty project based up to this point we don't necessarily have, you know, I think we'd be interested in like serving on retainer, mm-hmm. you know, in that in that kind of consulting service support role, but don't necessarily have those at this point. So it does feel like there's projects. Do you feel like there's any precedent of this type of consulting being on a retainer? I feel like I don't know the answer to that question. Mm. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you like my gut reaction, but I would love to be proven wrong, is that you have the type of services that are not going to be kept on retainer. Mm -hmm. This idea of having one or two big clients that feed an entire year, I will do a partnership, let's say, with like, I did a partnership, a consulting partnership with Perfectly Posh. Mm -hmm. And that was a big contract that lasted probably seven or eight months. And let me tell you what it entailed. I spoke at one of their conferences. So that's the service as a keynote speaker. I taught live in their Facebook group on probably 10 different topics. I have 10 different topics to teach things on in marketing that is relevant to their team. Okay. We brought our branding workshop to three different conferences. So we had a workshop offering. And then I also did one-on-one corporate consulting with the, with the CEO. Mm -hmm. Right. And then I also worked with the team. So I just listed out about six different offerings. Yeah of which affect marketing and sales. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the biggest contracts with my services I'm able to lock in. Mm -hmm. So the reason I'm bringing this up is is not to discourage, right? But like, let's paint a picture of like, sometimes you can be like, it'd be so great if we had this. Like, do we really have what it takes to support something like that? So you're working in that direction. And I just, it's like, if that truly is the direction, you're going to need a lot of diverse, speaking of diversity, you're going to need to diversify your services. And you're like, well, we have tons of services. Well, guess what? There's just you guys. So if you don't want to send out consultants and you write like all these things, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's something to really think about. And I think ultimately at the end of the day, there's a couple ways of thinking about it where it's like, 
you know, you want that Venn diagram of what's going to serve you and really enable you to live a beautiful life. But also, I know that you guys aren't doing this work just to turn a profit. You're doing this work to impact real, real change. And the question should become, and I'm sure that it is, but even more so as you're working on this business model, what is the interaction that truly serves real change? Mm. Mm -hmm. That's good. That's what I would want for you guys. And I could be wrong and I don't know your services. And I also don't have that experience at working at like a gigantic corporation. But I do know because I sign huge contracts with like New Skin, which is like a bajillion huge company, okay? They're bringing me on to consult and to create a course for their people. Mm-hmm. But like that, okay, so they maybe hire me to do that. They might hire me to speak at a convention and they might hire me to do one of my workshops. But again, those are very different offerings that I've spent 10 years creating mm-hmm. and perfecting and bringing to a level where a company like, and, and you guys have the level of education. Do you have the breadth of offerings? Right. Do you have the experience in providing the offerings that you can just turn around and be like, hey, Pepsi-Cola, you guys are going to give us a $300,000 contract. What offerings do you have to support a $300,000 contract? Mm-hmm. And so if that's truly, and I know Sean and Catherine, you guys might have differing ways you want to go, right? If that's truly the model, well, that's a different model than, you know, we host this workshop, we provide this workshop, we travel to you and bring this workshop to you. That's how you're going to start to build anything like that, basically. But you're going to have to do that first. So I guess, so I want to hear about your pain points, but I also, I want to know, like at the end of this, what do you think is going to be the most beneficial to you? Do you feel like you're struggling with knowing like how to format that business model and those offerings? Or do you feel like you're struggling with the education side of it? Or, or where do you feel like it's, cause I can talk all day about anything, you know, but where do you think it's going to be beneficial to you and, and what would clear up stress? I think we would agree the first one. Yeah. Right. The kind of the business model almost. Yeah. I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, like how do we, how do we make it so that the workshop is kind of that first level teaser Okay. So that, you know, like once you kind of trust us and you know, like, this is good. I want to bring you back for more that we yeah. have some stuff in place. That's like, here's what else we can do for you. Okay. Um, so what you're talking about is like a funnel. Like a sales funnel, yeah. right? Yeah. Awesome. So you're thinking of like, if I'm doing like an inverted funnel, right? You're thinking of the workshop is up there at the top of the funnel. Yes. Okay. Who's the other splinter offering? The splinter offering. That's the language yeah. I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. And really, you know, yes, this is like a business model, but also it's for the good of the organizations we work with because so much research shows that these one-off diversity trainings don't do anything and actually create more problems, right? So we're like, how do we make sure that we're able to kind of give a fuller offering and more support to these orgs? What is like the ideal, most beneficial, like, are you, are you working with organizations that have like a hundred people, a thousand people? Like what's the size organization you're shooting for? that we're shooting for right now it's all over i mean we just did kind of networking night we called it queers and beers with a professional association there were like 20 people there but we're also working with you know like city and county municipalities that have you know 1500 people so it's it's kind of all over the place right now yeah and and like you're saying like the workshops which i can see in like a little bit like how you could have a workshop you start getting into this work you walk away from it and you're like not resolved at all. 
and you maybe are carrying new prejudice and frustration or something like that. So what would be the ideal, most impactful way for you to help an organization so that they are better at diversity, equity, and inclusion? I'll give my answer and then you tell me what you think. Okay. So I would say the ideal way would be for us to come in and bring some of our qualitative research skills to like the initial parts of that relationship would look like us spending time in the organization. So we would call that an ethnography. Ethnography? Ethnography. Yep. So it's just extended time with the organization to kind of see what the flows and practices are like. Okay. Um, You go in, so it's like an evaluation almost. Yeah, some might call it an audit. That okay. language. Okay. An audit. Okay. We get nervous about that language, but yeah. And then maybe doing some focus groups or a qualitative survey of like what's going on in the culture, what's going okay. well, what needs to be improved. And that would really inform how we would kind of approach the intervention, right? Or approach the, approach the education or training or wherever it's at. That's what I would say would be like a really successful. What would the timeline on something like that be, Kath? Like how how much time would that typically take? Is that like a month, six weeks, a week? Like I would say, I don't know, three months. Okay. For doing an ethnography, that mm-hmm. could take longer. Yeah. If that was the only thing we were doing, I don't know. I mean... Because it's not just collecting the data, it's it's analyzing it as well. Yeah. Let's say, but for the whole package, we're talking the whole package, the audit, the evaluation, the qualitative, and then the education. Is that a three-month, a six-month package? Oh, six months, probably. Okay, a six-month yeah. package. And have you done that full package for anybody yet? No. So that's kind of the big goal is you would like to do that. Mm-hmm. Has anyone had you come in and do the ethnography part of it? No. Mm-hmm. So what are these six to 10 clients? What are you doing for these clients you have right now? Eight clients. The keynotes, the workshops, the training. The one thing we are doing some focus groups. So that's that's one way in, that, in which we're, we're doing that kind of first part. Mm-hmm. And another question I have is when you run those workshops, how are you following up or have you offered like the audit and stuff like that to people afterward? How do you follow up and offer that as an option for them? So one thing we've run into is for organizations that so clearly need like more than just an individual workshop, but they're asking for that, right? We always have an initial consult with them and then we'll give them a scope of work. And we always say like, hey, this is just the beginning to our conversation and we're happy to to change it and edit it and polish it as you see your needs fit. So with a couple organizations, particularly that healthcare one, we sent over a scope of work that had this six month kind of intervention built in. And honestly, I think it overwhelmed them. Like it was more than they had asked for. They were like, don't you think? And so that is one place where we're like, well, ultimately that's where we want to be, but we're coming on too strong. And then what was the question you asked, Ash? Sorry. She was asking about your follow-up from the workshop. Oh yeah. 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 So right now they're just like, how do you get those people interested enough to ask for an email? Like, is that something you pitch at a workshop to a big group or is that something you approach like the... Yeah, we're not doing a good job with that right now. I would say right now our follow-ups are just like kind of doing our post consult, like how things go, blah, blah, blah. So we should incorporate that into our post consult for sure. Yeah. But we found it's been hard. While we include the post consult in proposals and project scopes, it's often hard for to get people to schedule it. We always send out a survey. You don't want to hear what they're doing wrong. Right. Right? Very vulnerable. I mean, it's hard enough to get like testimonials, you know? Yeah. Yeah, We send a survey that gives like an evaluation. You know, how do we serve your needs? What could we have done better? Are there any organizations that you think might benefit from our services? You know, that's kind of a survey that allows us to get some information, testimonial. But 
frankly, it's been hard to just get people to fill out the survey. What are your kind of packages? Just so I can like try to place you in like what organizations, what kind of price range are your packages in? Do you charge for the workshop or for you to go do a workshop at their off? Like, are you going to their organization and giving a workshop? What's like the range that you're charging for something like that? This is a pain point that you are tapping into right now. And I have talked to Ashley about this quite a bit. We have done everything from, we just want the experience. So we're going to come deliver it for free, but we've done that for like three years now. So now we're like starting to under the official project deviate name, try and turn this into something that is sustainable. We tend to kind of have this pricing structure that's super loose. It's totally arbitrary. Is it a nonprofit or education? Let's give them a discount. We ask them their budget and then we work within that. It's all over the place right now. We try to eyeball it based on number of people and amount of time and length of service provided and is it under two thousand dollars ever yeah well there's some in the mix right now that are bigger but they haven't been officially signed yet Mm -hmm. but the biggest contract we've completed is twenty five hundred dollars for a keynote and that's the most you've ever charged for any of your services yeah yeah i mean we've put out scope of works that have been higher for that but but didn't get them here's what i think you guys are probably not charging enough so that people aren't taking it seriously. This is what we've worried about. You got to get the attention of a CEO or the, I don't know who hires you. I think it's probably human resources. Mm -hmm. So you got to get the attention of human resources for these consultations where you're going and like, here's what we can do. I almost feel like you should be charging for those. Mm. Because let me tell you, I have people who want to hire me for a keynote and I work with a lot of direct sales companies and I want them to maybe sponsor a dance party or hire me to do consulting like Perfectly Posh has done or Newskin is doing. Who are the two people who have hired me to go on and do big contracts, big work, like I told you, big consulting contract work. Both of them paid the full price of my keynote without batting an eye. And sometimes I'm like, oh, well, I might want to work with this company in the future. So I ask for X amount for a keynote, but I'm going to ask for less because I hope we can work together in the future, which is totally what we do. Sometimes that does work. But then I stopped and I was like, it's funny, the people who go on and give me the five or six figure contract, they paid my full price Mm -hmm. because they were ready to invest. They saw the value in the investment and people are talking to you for freezies and you're giving this assessment and this information. And it's like, Hey, when we come out to your business and we educate as we come out and we start to assess, we ask for like a $250 commitment meeting fee or a $500 commitment meeting fee. And if they're just like, Whoa, we're not doing any work. Then you're like, okay, cool. Like we have these free workshops or we have these really affordable workshops that you can send someone to. And I think this is going to be a better fit for you. But I kid you not, people go, okay, Mm, right? The people who go, okay, are the people who are going to give you a $15,000 contract. Yeah. So for this six months of work, I'm imagining that has to be at least a $30,000 contract. For sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just arbitrarily throwing numbers because we don't do the same thing, but we both consult. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm working with big organizations. So that's why I'm throwing these numbers at you. Here's the thing though, the way that I got all of the offerings to lead up to like a five or high five or six figure contract is by doing them on the smaller scale first. So the workshop Do you host your own workshops or you go and do workshops for other people? We go and do workshops for other people. What if you hosted your own workshop? I love that idea. What if it was free or not free? What if it was like 
several hundred dollars. This is what I used to do. And I feel like you guys could do this. So I did my build an awesome brand workshop, the first workshop that I did. And now that tickets like a thousand or something like that. Right. And we tier it and there's different ways to get in. But the very first one I did, it was $250. And I tried to sell 20 spots. And mind you, I had over a hundred thousand, not on Instagram, but in other places. And I was super stressed about filling those 20 spots. I did fill 40 spots. And so I did two workshops, but then the rest of the year, I wasn't making money any other way because I had completely changed my business model. I did eight or seven workshops that year because I literally didn't have any money. Yeah. Kept hosting the workshops, which is how I got so good at it. I had to do it. So this is what I would do. I would make a list and I would say, I will fill these 12 spots. Mm -hmm. And I would get on the phone and I would call everybody. And I called everybody that I knew that worked for somebody who could possibly pay their ticket. I reached out to people. I kept posting about it. And I just made it this battle to fill those 12 spots or those 15 spots. And I just feel like you guys have laid all this groundwork of pitching and putting it out there. If I was a little bit bigger and maybe not even that much bigger, I have like three employees. I have like a team of 15 people, but like they're not all in here. But like organizations that are 20 people, 40 people, they are absolutely going to pay $500 for their HR rep to come to your workshop. So then that HR, they're in, they're committing. Here's the thing. You're not going to know if this works unless you try it. Right. And so what happens is they show up, they've paid the $500 and they go back and they're like, Sean, I can't even tell you all of the stuff that happened. It was so good. Imagine you're at an organization of 100 people and you're like, it was so good. And I can see all the places we need this. It's going to help us. Mm. And then they sell it for you. Yep. That's an idea. It's just one idea. It makes total sense. Then you go and you do these keynotes and you speak to people and you're like, hey, I have a workshop that you can attend because a keynote isn't going to make real impact. Right. Yeah. You can make real impact. You need to put in the work. So I host a workshop. And then you could travel with those workshops. These are just some ideas. And if you do two or three of them and you can't get anybody there, okay, well, then we do something else. I feel like you guys have a good community at your college too that you could reach out to to help fill those spots. You guys are obviously higher level in your programs. People would want to come learn from you guys. Because I know you guys don't have like a huge online following or anything yet, but working within your community. No, but you don't need an online following. That's what I'm saying is I didn't go to my Instagram over and over again and say, come to my workshop. I literally picked up the phone and started calling people. Yeah, people you're already connected with. So I think going there is a good idea. The other thing that I would want to like look at your marketing assets and you got to remember people are hiring you so they don't get a lawsuit. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. You know that? Yeah, and to check a box, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so... Listen, they want to look good. You guys make people look good. You make people look good. We care about diversity. We hired Project Deviate. (laughs) You don't know how much money you can make stroking egos. Okay? That sounds so dirty. I just hate that, though. That's just, like, not the business I want to be in. Do you want to make impact? Do you believe that these companies are better off? Then you go and you say, listen, not only is your company be better off, this is smart business. Because for every single queer person who feels like a pariah at their office, there's a Dungeons and Dragon dork who feels like a pariah. And there's the black girl who's like having to spend three hours to get her hair to fit in the workplace that nobody's thinking about. This is a freaking important conversation and you're not 
playing some game or pandering by making it accessible to the people who need to have the conversation. Right. You guys are doing such heavy work. I want to thank you because it's not your responsibility that I educate myself. It's my responsibility that I educate myself. But unfortunately, most privileged white people don't know that it's their responsibility to educate themselves. So there are a few brave pioneers who I think are specifically qualified with your story, your personality. And I feel you guys feel called to do that work. And it's a heavy work to bear and it's heavy every day. But if you make it impossible for people to find you, they're never going to find you. So it's not about stroking the egos and playing the game. It's listen, I do soul work. I do work that changes people's lives. They're bogged down in their problems. I've got to make it easy for them to find me. Right. And I don't want to play that game either, but it's not a game. It's marketing. That's Mm. all it is. So you've got to remind people what their pain points are. Maybe you're going to get somebody who's worried about getting slapped with a lawsuit, whatever. But like, there are people out there who are worried about getting slapped with a lawsuit, but they're more worried that they're marginalizing people in their environment. That's who you want to work with. Mm -hmm. And truly, like, I think you guys should be looking to like hip online brands, people who like want to say, we partnered with Project Deviate. You don't know what Project Deviate is. Let us tell you about it. Find people who are talking like that. They might not have the money, but they're trendsetters. You find the trendsetter. Health organizations are not trendsetters. (laughs) I'm thinking of a company like Shop Bando. They're super hip. They're super cool. They've got a big organization. I'm thinking of a company like Outdoor Voices. Like they do outdoor workout wear. These big brands that are online. So they're really thinking about image. I'm super excited to say that I had you guys on my podcast and not because I'm just like, oh, stroking my ego, but because I'm like Allison, the Allison show and Allison's brand school has a lot of white girls in Provo, Utah. We do. Somebody called me out on it one time. This was a couple of years ago. I'm like, well, I'm in Provo. And then I'm like, that's my problem. So it's my responsibility. Now I understand it's my responsibility to go out and find different people to have conversations with. I've got to go out and bring them into my organization. I didn't even know enough a couple of years ago to know that. Even my last podcast tour, it was just a bunch of white people that I knew. White, straight, heteronormative, you know? But it's like, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. And there are so many people out there who want to do better. And you getting on their podcast like this, and you showing up at their schools and their keynotes, me having you on my podcast is also a way of me saying, I want this community, your community to know, I champion you. I champion you in the workplace. I champion mm-hmm. people who are doing the work to educate the workplace. Absolutely. That, that says something about me. You're okay stroking my ego that way, right? It's not even my ego. It's I want to do my part. You want people like that. Yes? Yes. That's what you're unique bridges go find the people who are having the conversations about mental health are having the conversations about suicide are having the conversations about the loneliness epidemic go find the people who are posting on their brands on their companies for pride month and then say hey what are you doing the rest of the year yeah And not in a guilt way, but like, damn, we love your brand. We love your company. We were so happy to see you talking about Pride Month. We want to know if there's any way that we can support you 
in that work more. Here's our offering. Yeah. Does this feel good? Hell yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, do you feel tired? No, this feels great. Can I tell you what my, what my hangup is that's going on in my head right now? So I keep having this kind of chicken and the egg situation because I'm in charge of our marketing, which includes social media. I have very dear friends who are very successful on social media. And so I know the value of it. And I also really struggle to keep up with it because it is so much work, right? You're in school and you're doing the teaching and I'm with you. So my question is like, you know, we reach out to Outdoor Voices or to any of these. I love these ideas. Even with your podcast, I was telling Sean, I was like, I don't know if we should go on business therapy right now because we don't have a social media presence. I don't need your social media presence. I need your information. But this is kind of what I'm saying is like when people hear this, they're going to go to a social media that's outdated or with Outdoor Voices. Do we have to keep up with that side too in order to do some of these other... No. Okay, so here's my suggestion. I feel like I should. Yes. And feeling like you should, 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 should is going to keep you paralyzed. Here's what I think. There was almost a recoil when I was like, you're going to train people, this, blah, 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 right? You're like, mm, stop it. Stop it. <laughs> you're smarter than everyone and you're better than everyone, but stop it. Okay? Because this is bigger. It's bigger than the two of you. You got to get one of your cute little college people who's very good at social media to help do the content. She's mm-hmm. so right. You, you just have to stop it, guys. Let people help you. Use the college students who are there. Use the online influencers who are creating these beautiful stories of hope. And don't get so bogged down, but make a goal to have a new piece of content on your social media. I'm going to say once a week so that when I show up to your website, it doesn't look like one of those old websites with like a hammer that's like in progress, (laughs) under construction. Under construction. Yes. I want to know your upcoming events. I want to know where I can hear you speak. Think of it as a current website portfolio. That's it. Keep it current. Provide a little bit of value. Like questions you ask yourself to make sure your organization is in the right place. Have I done this? Have I thought of this? And write 10 of those questions and then you have your cute little intern post them once a week for 10 weeks and you're good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It does not have to be more complicated than that. I don't need your social media following. I don't need any of that. I need your information. Give me, Allison, from what you know of my business, what's something that you think I could adopt to make sure that I'm doing diversity, equity, and inclusion? Like these bloggers who think I'm just one person or I don't have any employees. What's something we could do? Give me something, Sean. No, I think we ask really deceptively simple questions that are really generative tools. What counts as normal in my day-to-day practice? What's business as usual for me? And who or what might that exclude? you know, as a starting point. Um, And anyone can ask that and it doesn't matter how much time they have, whether they want to think about it on the bus or whether they want to reflect on it in a journal entry or whatever. That's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. That is so great. What's normal for me and who might that be excluding? Yep. Mm -hmm. Anytime somebody's willing to share a personal example, like ask your online audience. So my example is it was normal for me to reach out to people that I've worked with and I know from my podcast tour. What it showed me, it was every single regular box of person. I was like, I don't even know who to have. And then I was like, that's your first problem, Allison. Follow more diverse accounts. 
look for more diverse accounts, read different books. I read Austin Channing Brown. It's Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. And she was a speaker there. And anybody that she recommends to follow, I'm like, I'm going to go check them out. I went to Todrick. He came to Salt Lake and he champions queer artists and says, here's some lesser known queer artists that you can go and listen to. And I was like, thank Todrick. Hmm. him like leading by example, taking yeah. time from his concert to champion these people. How can I do that with business therapy? How can I do that with my platform? So those are kind yeah. of some of the questions. I get that that's just one small step. And I'm not saying that to like tell you guys gold stars. I'm saying that because I think that even that level for the audience of people who's listening to this podcast is the starting step. And I love what you're saying. Like think of like you sharing on your stories, what's normal for you. I mean, Kath and I have had conversations even yeah. about adding like pronouns to my Instagram bio and stuff like that, just to yeah. have it be a place where people feel more included. But yeah, what's normal for me when I'm sharing is, yeah, like my family and my friends and who I'm associating with and who I'm traveling with and yeah. who are seeing speak and like all these things. Like or even like you say, like when you say like, hey, you and your husband, I, I always try to say partner. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's, you know, better, but like just even little, little things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so when you break it down and the reason we bring all of this up is break it down to social media. That question you just shared that took you five seconds is super helpful to people. And then it doesn't become I'm bogged down by social media. It becomes, I want to empower a couple people today. Here we go. It's an easy way to do it. Yeah. I love the suggestion of having a college student run it. Cause I actually think you guys did a really good job when you were putting time into it. Everything already looks really good. I feel like you've already built a really strong base there of information and how so you like know what you're there. doing. Yeah. It's just having someone else do right. the management of it. But I feel like you guys yeah. already built a good language there and a good vibe having someone run. Cause you guys have a million other things you're doing too, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You guys can't be in school, be up to date on research, be teaching, be finding new business, be executing the business, be managing, the contracts and the emails and do everything else. We're going to start crying. This is exactly, we have felt very overwhelmed because we do feel called to do this. We know the work is important because we felt it personally, but we do sort of feel like we are at a loss. We talked to this really beautiful survivor of trauma recently. She sells these cards that speak to people who've had sexual assault, their mantras. This type of work that it's probably in some cases triggering lots of personal stuff for you guys even. It's heavy work and you're trying to carry it all by yourself. You don't need to because it's really important work. And I believe like important soul work that it impacts the universe for good. You're not being asked to carry it all by yourself. You've got this community. Use what you have. And what you have is you're in school. So you have a community. You guys feel so overwhelmed. You're doing so much. And it's just going to weigh you down. And then we end up doing nothing. And if yep. you want to think of who is it going to serve when you don't do anything. Write that down. Take this empathy. This is empathy for the business owners you're working with. They feel this same way about diversity, equity, inclusion. They're trying to manage a business. They're trying to be a good boss. They're trying to pay people fairly. They're trying to be nice to their kids when they get home at night. And then they got to show up at work and be like, and I don't have diversity, equity, or inclusion. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And, And you take this empathy of, I get what it feels like to feel so overwhelmed by something out of your comfort zone, which is what this business is asking you two to do, to be so out of your comfort zone that you want to just shut it off and pretend it's 
not there. What you're doing is just cutting it up into little baby-sized bites so that people can, they can chew and swallow. (laughs) Yes. And I just want to thank you guys again, because that's really important work and somebody had to do it. We're here for it. We are here for it. Thank you. And I love you both. And you're Sean, I love you. Thank you. This is so helpful. <laughs> you're doing such a good job. So for people who want to check it out, what's the Instagram At account? Project Deviate Consulting. And is Deviate spelled out? It is. Yep. So we will link the Project Deviate Consulting. And people, I think, are going to be excited to hear about your workshops and the different things that you have coming up that you're going to be doing now that I've told you to do that. Thank, Thank you. you so much. We, we love you both. Thanks, everybody. We love you. Okay. This is one of the many interviews that I wish you could have watched the video so you could see Sean, so you could see Catherine, so you could just see their faces and their responses to the questions as I'm spouting some crap at them. Luckily, I've met Catherine at a few of our in-person events. I felt bold in what I was saying, and I'm just so grateful to them and the important work that they're doing. So be sure you check out Project Deviate Consulting. That's their Instagram handle, and you support them and you ask yourself the important questions. How can we be bringing these important concepts into not just our business, but into our daily thinking habits? As always with business therapy, we want to ask these business therapy questions to ourselves because you hear me asking them to other people and the little synapses are sparking and the ideas are flowing. But of course, when we sit down with pen and paper, when we sit down and ask ourselves these questions, that is where the true magic happens. So here you are are your action items, your three business therapy questions. And the first one is, do you want a team? You know, I am in a really interesting phase. There have been some changes over here and I'm not going to go into them right now. I keep going back to what are things that I did on my own in the past that I know I'm just really not happy doing. Even when it's really uncomfortable and not fun managing a team, there are a few things that I'm like, I've tried doing this all on my own and I don't want to do it. Even now I have some tasks that I don't do on my own anymore. Honestly, it's like a privilege, but at the same time, you're going to be so surprised how easy it is when you have a clear why, when you have a clear mission, how easy it is to find people to help you in the work you do. I think that was a huge story I told myself for a long time is that nobody could help. Nobody could figure this out. And when I started teaching Allison's brand school theories and principles and really, really getting sharp on them, it was like magic. The people that I attracted and continue to attract. Ask yourself, do I want a team? Maybe I want to collaborate with people. Maybe I'm thinking I have to do everything when there's somebody out there who's already doing these services that I could collaborate with. In the case of Catherine and Sean, they have different interns, people from their academic community. You're like, I don't have any money. Don't even think of it that way. Think of allowing people to help you, especially right now as we're trying to pivot you might actually be letting team members go. Remember that there are still people who want to collaborate. Everyone is in an upheaval right now. So it is a great time to reach out and connect with people. I've been finding people are really, really open to collaboration. Who could you collaborate with? Are you trying to carry this all on your own? That is always a great question to ask yourself. The second business therapy question is, do your offerings truly directly serve your purpose? When I was talking to Project DVA and I'm asking them about the different things they want to provide, so often we start selling or creating or packaging up not even what people want, but what we think other people want. And we get down this rabbit hole of creating for that. We don't stop and we don't ask ourselves, 
is this really serving my underlying purpose? all of my events and speaking and lots of my projects just having to be shut down, huge budget cuts across the board. This has caused me to say, what are the things that I can offer and create for people that really serve my purpose? For me, that comes back down to my Awesome with Allison podcast, my new I'm Doing Awesome journal. Those offerings, they truly directly serve my purpose. And I'm having to cut out a lot of the fluff and pomp and circumstance and just get those offerings out there. And it's even really helped me with my Instagram content creation. I said this to Julie the other week and I was laughing, but I was also being dead serious. What if what I shared on Instagram had everything to do with getting good content up and nothing else? What if the content I was creating was just simply because I need to get this content out there because it directly serves my purpose. I realized posting in the daytime, it gets my content out there. It drastically doesn't get seen by as many people, but I'm getting stuff up rather than getting nothing up. Even though I can't do it quote unquote perfectly, I'm going to do it. So when you ask yourself this question, what do you want to give? How do you want to give it versus what do people need and how am I going to do that? Of course, that's important, but you want to make sure that it's actually supporting your overall goal. And business therapy question number three is, are you crippling yourself by only doing what you think you should do? In the case of Catherine and Sean, they really thought they should be building an Instagram following because that's what's going to work. And that's weighing them down versus what do you think is right? What do you think is going to work for you? Are you crippling yourself by focusing on only what you should do rather than what lights you up? I was crippling myself like I just shared in that example of my content creation for Instagram. I've been crippling myself for years. That has been such a huge process for me. I was crippling myself by thinking, okay, I have to post these things at this certain time. I have to post them in this certain way so that people will see them because I don't want to spend all this time on stuff if it's not getting seen. And then we're in quarantine and we're anxious and relationships are suffering and we're lonely and there is an actual pandemic. And I kind of just snapped out of it. I am sitting on tools, resources, hard fought lessons from my podcast, from all of these courses and content, all of this stuff I've created. I have so many tools and I'm just sitting on them. It is crippling me because I think I should post them at this time and post it in this way. Forget it. I am just going to get it up. I'm just going to get it out there. That is my challenge to you. How can you get it up and how can you get it out there? But like with this podcast, remember how I said I gave myself a break? I gave myself some time. I'm giving myself a lot of breaks and a lot of time right now. I have been crippling myself by just focusing on what I think I should do rather than just doing what I think is right. There are your three business therapy questions. Right now, I think we actually have one spot left to our retreat that's hopefully happening in June. Utah, especially where we are, does not have very many cases. And I think we're going to be able to meet at the end of June as planned. It's a small group. We have one spot available for our mastermind retreat. We are doing monthly coaching leading up to it. So even if we do have to push the date, we're having group coaching calls every month. Ashley and I are doing that. So you can check that out. We're going to link to it in the show notes. It's honestly been such an amazing place. We had our first group coaching a week or so ago. And it was so fun to get together and learn about how everyone's trying to shift right now. And I just want to thank you so, so much for your reviews on the podcast. They really do help us out. And I love when you guys are sharing about business therapy on Instagram. I always see it. And this is from Mick Montcalm. And it says, I don't know how Allison does it, but this podcast is exactly what I need, even when I don't think I need it. She is super inspiring, but also fun, real, and honest AF. Well, that's because I'm Allison Faulkner. (laughs) 
you and your business need this podcast. Thank you so much. I love that review. I appreciate it. Will you shoot us an email at info at allisonsbrandschool.com with your address and we are going to send you some thank you goodies. You guys, it is us, the humans, the individuals who make a difference in the world and in the economy. You doing work that you feel passionate about, you showing up and continuing to try to figure it out, even when it feels like everything is crashing around you, even when you don't know how you're going to pay that next bill. That is how we adapt and pivot and change the planet into something better and more beautiful than it was before all of this hardship. I believe that with my whole heart. I believe in you. I believe in our human capacity to adapt and change and grow and create. It's honestly, what we were put on this planet to do is we are creators. We can create meaning and beauty from the darkest of things. What else is life? I believe in you. You're doing a good job. Cut yourself some slack, but then also when you're ready, just get out there and do what you feel called to do. If you feel called to do it, freaking do it. Love you guys. My man, Mr. Eric Robertson, wants to invite you to join Pleasant Pictures Music Club. If you are a content creator, you can save 20% off with the code Business Therapy. So go to pleasantpictures.club and enjoy this jaunty tune.